Good morning, everybody. Um, glad to have you with us this morning, or uh, if you're watching us later, glad to have you with us whenever you're watching us online. So, um, yeah, today's the first Sunday of Advent. It's that season of, of waiting and, and preparation, anticipation for the coming of the Messiah. And I, I was thinking about that this morning and thinking about how in these times we're living in, we've, we've had a taste of all of that, you know, waiting and an anticipation, whether it was, uh, you know, over the past month, we've been waiting for, you know, to see what's going to happen with this presidential election. It was all the anticipation that went into that. And, and we're all waiting for this pandemic to end. We're waiting for a, a vaccine to come out. We're, you know, we're anticipating all of that. Uh, well, Advent is, is much like that, except even more. You know, it's, it's all about remembering the, the waiting that the, the Israelites were going through, waiting for the Messiah to come. But, but even more than that, just just recognizing maybe our own sense of, of emptiness and, and longing uh, before we came to know Jesus. Or maybe if, if, if you haven't come to know Jesus yet, maybe it's that sense of, of waiting and longing you have in your own heart for, for something to fill the emptiness. And then we're also, during this time, we're stirring ourselves up uh, as to, to remember that, that we're looking forward to the return of Jesus. You know, we're awaiting this time and anticipating this time when Jesus returns and all things are new. All things are made new. That's all wrapped up in what we're doing during this season of Advent. You know, for most of us, you know, when we think about Christmas, I think it evokes a lot of, of warm, fuzzy feelings most of the time. It's a, a time of joy and peace and uh, celebration. It's all about gathering with loved ones and exchanging gifts and feasting together and going to Christmas parties and, and going to crowded candlelight Christmas Eve services, except this year, maybe not so much, right? It, it would be easy to be a little disappointed when we think about all of the things we can't do this Christmas, or, or when we think about Everything that's going on in our world with the pandemic and the political strife and the, the polarization, the stress, the uncertainty of our times, to think that, you know, maybe that's all going to detract from our experience of Christmas this year. But I'd like to suggest that, that maybe, just maybe, it could instead help all of us to experience just a little bit more of what was really going on during that first Christmas and to enter into what Jesus wants Christmas to be for us. You know, if you look at the images on Christmas cards or listen to lyrics to you know, a lot of the Christmas songs, they, they paint a picture of that first Christmas as a time of idyllic peace and quiet. You know, you have shepherds and, and the wise men and Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus all just kind of taking everything in with this sense of serene wonder. But the scriptures, if we, if we read them carefully, actually present a very different story. They present that first Christmas as a time of great stress and conflict and uncertainty and even fear. In other words, a time very much like our own. So this Advent, we want to look at this season we're in with fresh eyes. And we want to discover at, at maybe a deeper level than we ever have before how Christmas provides us not with just some kind of 
momentary escape from the realities of our world, you know, not just a, a little break from the troubles of our lives, but rather with the kind of hope and peace and joy and love that endure no matter what's going on and that actually change our lives. So we're calling this series A Not-So-Silent Night. And to begin today, we're going to look at the Christmas story as told by John in the book of Revelation. So let's pray. Lord, we do um, look at this whole season as, as this time of, of uh, opening our eyes to, to your reality, to the reality of your first coming and to everything that it means when you return and all things are made new. I pray that you'd be stirring up in us uh, that sense of anticipation, that sense of, of longing, um, that uh, we wouldn't be so caught up in what's going on in our day-to-day -day lives that we would miss the truth and the reality of, of what you want to draw us into. So come, Holy Spirit, now and speak to each one of us right where we're at and uh, lead us deeper into your life and, and your hope, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to uh, read to you from Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> John writes, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven crowns. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son a male who was going to rule all nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1,260 days. Well, one of the songs that gets played a lot during uh, this season is the, it's called It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. I think you know it. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Andy Williams crooning away. Um, but have you ever paid attention to the lyrics? Uh, there's a section that goes, there'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. Well, so far, so good, right? But then it goes on to say, there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Scary ghost stories? Who tells scary ghost stories at Christmas? You know, it doesn't seem to work. Fear and Christmas don't seem to mix. But in reality, they do. As American theologian Russell Moore puts it in his book, The Courage to Stand, in the narratives of the incarnation, fear is everywhere. But it's fear leading in two decidedly different directions. On the one hand, Israel's King Herod was afraid when he heard about the son of David being born because he saw it as a threat to his own power and position. 
And Herod's fear led him to uh, slaughter all of the Hebrew male children under two years old in that area. So he spread more fear and distress and grief throughout the land. On the other hand, the shepherds on that night when Jesus was born were afraid too. You know, when, when out of nowhere, the host of heaven appeared in this blaze of glory. I mean, who wouldn't be afraid? But despite their fear, they listened to God's word spoken to them by those angels. And that word empowered them. It directed them to go and see what was going on from God's perspective, to see what God sees. So for the shepherds, you could say that fear gave way to revelation. And the revelation then filled them with hope. Which is how I think this passage from the book of Revelation can help us today. Now, Revelation is a, str is a strange book. There's just no getting around that, right? Uh, it's a style of writing called apocalyptic. And <clears throat> apocalyptic writing uses all sorts of weird images in, in, its, in its writing to, to represent other things. And, and many of the images in the book of Revelation are drawn from the Old Testament, which if you haven't studied the Old Testament in detail, you may not recognize where those images are coming from, so we don't always understand what the images are meant to mean. And, and another thing about uh, this particular book is that it's really important for us to realize is that when we're reading the book of Revelation, it's not meant to be a timeline of the future for us. It's not written to tell us what's going to happen in the years ahead so much as it is written to help us see what's going on in our lives right now from God's perspective. It's written to help us see our lives and our world as God sees them. And to see Jesus in all of it, after all, it is the revelation of Jesus. And it's written so that we can live lives filled with hope because we see what God sees. Just like with the shepherds that night that Jesus was born, over and over in Revelation, we are encouraged to listen to what God says so that we can see what God sees and then live lives of hope. And what we see when we listen to the words in Revelation 12, is that the birth of Jesus was all about the beginning of this decisive battle in a war in heaven. Now, most of us, most of the time, live our lives with really a pretty thoroughly modern understanding of the world that we live in. I mean, while we would certainly say that, you know, we believe in the supernatural, we believe in God, of course, and, and uh, we believe in angels, and, and probably maybe we believe, believe in, in the devil and demons, maybe we're not so sure about that, but, but we believe in the supernatural, we say, but at the same time, we live most of the time and we think most of the time as though the natural world and what we can sense with our own five senses is really all that there is. And anything else is just make-believe. Or else, it's, if it's not make-believe, it's far away and it doesn't really have anything to do with our lives and our world. But the Bible paints a very different picture of our world. It paints a picture in which the spiritual world is not only very real, the supernatural world, but it also intersects with it, it interacts with it, impacts our natural world 
all of the time. And so Revelation 12 shows us that the birth of Jesus wasn't just this silent night of quiet and peace with shepherds kneeling and cattle lowing. Yeah, the veil is pulled back through the, the words of the book of Revelation. And what we see when the veil is, is pulled back is this, what God saw from heaven. We see Satan raging like a dragon. We see him wreaking havoc in heaven on earth, sowing fear and hatred in his desire to reduce all of goods, God's good creation to chaos and emptiness. And we see especially Satan's desire to destroy this child who was such a threat to his own power and position. I mean, talk about scary ghost stories. Revelation is showing us the spiritual reality between the, behind the things that were going on, like Herod slaughtering all of those children. We're seeing the spiritual battle that had begun, and it was a fierce battle. But we also see God catching the child up to his, his throne and protecting and nourishing the woman, it says. In other words, we see in the midst of Satan's fury, everything is still in God's hands. Nothing, not even the dragon, can stand against the power of God's love. So how does all that help us today? Well, I'll tell you how it helps me. It helps me to realize that there's more going on in this world than meets the eye. If, if the pandemic and the racism of our nation, the polarization of our nation, um, if, if those types of things, all the trouble we've had over these past few months, if those are all just the results of biology and ideology and psychology and economics and politics, I don't know if I'd have much hope for the future. Yeah, I think I'd be ready to give up on the human race. I mean, if this is as far as we've gotten in all these centuries, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to get any better. I don't even know if I could believe in God. I mean, what kind of a God would create a world if this is how it's going to be? You know, I certainly would have trouble believing that God was good. And I think the only path to take then would be to give in to the fear and the tribalism and the hatred and the judgment and, and just cling to people who think like me and agree with me so that I can feel safe with my family and friends. And certainly a lot of people seem to have gone that route. Faith in Jesus, if I had any, would be about protecting myself from the world and just trying to hang on until I can escape from this miserable mess. But when the veil is pulled back, when I listen to what God says and I can see what's really going on because I can see what God sees, well, then I see that we actually are living in a spiritual battle, just like the New Testament says we are. There really is a kingdom of darkness. And while I don't understand everything about it, I am convinced that the goal of Satan is to destroy everything good, to tear apart everything that God is building, and especially to destroy us humanity. The evil in our world, you know, whether we're talking about pandemics or hurricanes and wildfires or cancer and hunger and poverty or, or hatred and polarization, racism, violence, whatever form of evil it is, they aren't just the result of natural forces or bad people. And they're certainly not part of God's will. There's certainly not God lashing out in anger and judgment against us. 
They are directly or indirectly the result of that dragon from Revelation 12 raging through creation, wreaking havoc. And the reason Jesus was born on that first Christmas was to destroy the works of the devil. Just as there really is a kingdom of darkness, there really is a kingdom of God. And Jesus is the king. Through his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and then ascension to heaven, Jesus defeated Satan. He broke the power of the kingdom of darkness. So while in the mystery of God, God's kingdom hasn't yet come completely to this world, it has begun, and it is growing, and it is spreading, and it all started with the battle that was engaged when Jesus was born that first Christmas. And God's kingdom won't stop growing and spreading until all things are made new and Jesus returns. And in the meantime, you know, between Jesus' first coming and the time he returns, much of the way that God's kingdom comes and grows and spreads in this world is through us. See, when I can see all of that, I have hope. For one thing, I can see that this whole messed up world is headed for a glorious new creation. And I can also see that what I do now, what we all do now, makes a difference. When I speak blessing instead of curses, when I trust God in spite of my fears, you know, when I celebrate what's good instead of just complaining about what's not, when I listen to people rather than just arguing with them, or when I choose diversity over tribalism and mercy over judgment, when I live and love like Jesus, then God's kingdom comes a little bit more, both in me and through me. What I do matters because Jesus is real. Jesus is the king. You know, the kingdom of God is real. And Jesus is at work in me and through me to bring more and more of his kingdom. And that fills me with hope. See, Jesus is inviting us to listen to what God says and see what God sees so that we can live lives filled with hope. You know, Jesus isn't pretending or asking us to pretend that things are, are better than they are. He's not asking us to like the state that this world is in. But neither is Jesus saying, just hang on until you can escape. Jesus is inviting us to listen to what God says, see what God sees, and live lives filled with hope. And a life filled with hope will be a life engaged in this world for the kingdom of God. So what if that is what we focused on? this Advent. You know, there's all sorts of ways we could do that, and right away my mind goes to all sorts of things we could be out there doing to engage the world for the kingdom, but I think maybe the best way to begin, since it all begins with listening, is by using the Advent devotional that we're providing this year again to listen to God's Word, because it all starts there, listening Uh, The devotional has a short scripture passage for each day of the week, Monday through Friday, and we're making it available, uh, I believe, through our website. You can download it. uh, You can access it there. I'm guessing we'll have links to it on Facebook through the Vineyard Cafe and everywhere else. We'll make it available to you to access. 
But as you're reading it, as you're using it each day, I'd encourage you to not just read the passage, but engage with it. You'll spend some time with it each day. You know, maybe read it in the morning and think about it through the day then as you go. And as you're you're engaging with it, what you're doing is you're listening for God's voice. How is he speaking to you through that passage? And ask him to speak to you personally through it, to speak into your life and, and your situation. And then as you're listening to his voice, you can also be asking God to give you eyes to see what's going on in your life and what's going on in your family or at school or at work. What's going on in our world? What's going on from God's perspective? Ask him to help you see what God sees. We want to listen to what God says, see what God sees, so we can live lives filled with hope. Amen?